What is going on, everybody? And a happy Sunday to all you football fans out there. This is Icy Mike's, where the takes are ice cold. You got Dan Kelly, Mike Schimbersky, Built in Buffalo Network. What's going on, Mike? Not much, man. I'm, I, again, I'm so happy we're on this Built in Buffalo Network. We have a lot to talk about. Julio Jones just keeps going on and on with the news. Uh, there's just so much to cover. Uh, I'm excited. Well, you mentioned it right there, Mike. It's Julio time once again. Waffle House, as he was once known in Atlanta. So, guys, at first it was all rumors. It was all, hey, Julio wants out of Atlanta, and this is what we think he's going to go for, and this is what he might go for, and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's not rumors anymore. Undisputed with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless this week. Um, Skip decided to call Julio on the air and he said, Hey, um, what's the deal in Atlanta? And Julio Jones said, I'm out of there. And then Skip Bayless wanted to know what his thoughts were on going to the Cowboys. And Julio Jones said, no, I don't want to go to the Cowboys. I want to go somewhere where I can win. So the big story about this is that Undisputed is taped in California where the law states that if you were to broadcast a telephone call, both parties need to be aware that the call is on the air. We don't know if that call was on the air. Mike, what are your thoughts? Do you think Julio knew that this was going to be aired live? I think that that show's been on for so long that they wouldn't have made a mistake like that. I, I think that they definitely gave him a heads up. You know, he was probably aware of the call and it was probably for more publicity to, to definitely put it out there that Julio was available. And if you think about it now, a lot more teams are probably interested because of the fact that he's saying he's out of there. Well, I, I, think, I can, I can tell you that, if you watch the video of it, of them breaking it, the the other partner on Undisputed was heard in the background yelling, hey, let them know we're live, let them know we're live. So that's what makes me think that, you know, I don't know, because I, I think that it has to be a thing where, where they told him. Because if they didn't, they could be in legal trouble. And not only that, but then the NFL would punish them by, you know, giving them worse games to broadcast and and maybe not even as many games or something like that they'll they'll punish them in some way if this is found to be in that type of situation because Julio Jones Mike Julio Jones is a very reserved guy he doesn't he doesn't come out and make statements or he's not bold or anything like that and the Falcons are obviously agitated that this news came out because now you're not going to get as much for him as you maybe you could have yeah, and also I think, you know, he would have said something by now. If if this was such a – if this was not something he authorized, he probably would have already said something to the media saying, I did not authorize them to record me, and he'd be much more upset about it. And he hasn't said anything. Uh, so there's nothing coming from his corner about how he's upset about it. I agree 100%, but we just don't know what's going on with the agent and what's going on with his representatives, you know. There could be stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know. But what we do know now is Julio Jones does not want to return to the Falcons. 
And it's looking like he's being traded. Apparently there's been multiple offers. It's said to be happening as early as maybe next week. We know a team offered at least a first round pick. We're not sure who that is, but we're going to have to see where they decide to trade him. You can imagine they don't want to put him in the NFC. They definitely don't want to put him in the NFC South. Um, One place I don't want to see him go, Mike, Kansas City Chiefs. All right. I am so sick of the Chiefs just being the new Patriots and getting all these players, but it's kind of worse because the Patriots didn't get good players. What the Patriots got was they got average NFL players and then they coached them up very well and, and they made them better, which is different. Kansas City is just going out and signing these guys that used to have like stellar careers, guys like Le'Veon Bell. You know, they had Kelvin Benjamin after he wasn't terrible at that point. And now, you know, it's Julio. And if they get Julio, man, I'm going to be even more worried for the Buffalo Bills' chances of reaching a Super Bowl in the near future. Yeah, they just have so much firepower already, as it is. And then you add Julio Jones to that, and it's almost unfair at that point. I mean, It's unfair Buffalo, now. You know, I, don't, I don't need Julio over there. It's already to a point where, you know, you can't – you, you, you almost pick your poison of who you're going to double cover and then hope that the other guy doesn't get open. And then if they add Julio to it, it's just, it's just going to be insane. The amount of uh, points they could probably put up per game uh, with Julio Jones on the field alongside Tyree kill, Travis Kelsey, and the list goes on. So I, yeah, I, I think that one thing I am interested in is something I thought was not, even a thought was Julio possibly landing with the Bills. And now it almost seems like it's not the worst option or, or not, not that even just that unheard of at this point. I thought maybe they couldn't afford him, but with that, with that uh, stuff coming out with him on the phone saying he's out of Atlanta, they might take a much better deal for him than before. And I mean, I've even heard somewhere where they're like, they're even willing to take like a second rounder for, for Julio. So if, if that's the case and I'm the bills, that's not a bad deal uh, to add to what you already have there. And they could possibly be trying to make a run at the Super Bowl too, by adding Julio Jones, especially if it's only for a second round pick. Well, I can tell you, Buffalo is always in the mix when it comes to trades around the league. It, it seems like they're, they're one of the more trade-happy teams, Brandon Bean and company. I, I still don't see it, man. Even, even if the price is cheaper, Bean hates giving away draft picks, hates giving away assets. And even if the price is cheaper again, you still have to give up people who are making a lot of money. So that would be a guy like Mario Addison. It would be – it would be somebody who's on a bigger deal. And I just don't see it, man. You know, I, I hope he goes somewhere where it's weird because as a football fan, you want to see Julio Jones succeed. You want to see him go into a situation where he can succeed professionally and, and win. But at the same time, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I don't want to see him go anywhere and do well where it's going to damage the Buffalo Bills chances. Yeah, especially if he lands on a team that we have to – that we or I mean, that the Bills have to deal with. I, I mean, if if they end up on uh, – you know, if he ends up somewhere like on the Dolphins or 
or the Patriots or the Chiefs, you know, teams that we know we're going to have, uh, teams that we know Buffalo is going to have to meet up with in the future, that's that's not going to be good for the Bills. I mean, in the in the near future, I, I don't know how much longer Julio is going to play in this league, but for now, he definitely still demands attention uh, from a defensive coordinator. So he he still can go out there and make make things happen on the field, and so you have to game plan against him. So I just I think if I'm the Bills, you definitely don't want him, you definitely don't want him landing on a team that you're going to have to face multiple times uh, coming up. If, if he stays out of our way, that's great. I mean, if he stays out of the Bills' way, that's great. But, like, if if, uh, if you're going to have to meet him up, meet up with him two, two, two games a season or in the playoffs, it, you know, you're going to have to, again, game plan for him. It's almost like you pick your poison. You either want to try really hard to get him on your team or, or hope hope that he lands somewhere where it doesn't really matter or it's irrelevant. It, it's possible. I mean, look at what happened with Antonio Brown going to the Raiders. It, it didn't work out very well for that. And then he went to the Patriots and had more legal problems, and it didn't work out there. And now he's with the Bucks, where it's, it's kind of working out a little bit better for him there. Let me give you a red pill, blue pill scenario, Mike. Would you rather trade for Julio Jones next week, let's say, a second-round pick, Mario Addison, and a six? Okay, a second, a six, and Mario Addison for Julio Jones. Or would you rather trade a fifth rounder for Zach Ertz? See, so I am uh, – so if I'm Neo here uh, and you're Morpheus, I'm going to take <laughs> – I'm going to take the red pill, I think, and go with the trade for Zach Ertz. And that's definitely because that's so much more affordable – and you're not giving up so much for the future. And the other thing about Zach Ertz is the contract is not the same as Julio. And on top right. of that, the, the one, not the one position, because there's many positions that could be improved, but the weakest position on the Buffalo Bills offense is definitely the tight end right now. So if you for can sure. upgrade that in any way, they missed out on a bunch of free agents. It was a good tight end class in free agency, and Buffalo struck out. So this is their chance to right that wrong. And I think it's about time that they call Jeffrey Lurie and see what they want for Zach Ertz. And I don't think it's a bad move if they do that. And you almost have – it's a win-win situation. You know, he comes in and he does great, amazing. If he doesn't, he didn't give up too much to get him. And so it's not that big of a deal. And Josh Allen doesn't really throw to the tight end all that much unless it's, unless it's a planned play. Yeah, but the- maybe maybe that's because the talent isn't there at tight end. You know, we, we don't know what, what goes through Josh's mind. I don't think every play he's just thinking digs, 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 digs. I think he's, you know, he goes through his reads. So I think if you had somebody who could be game-changing, who's been in the league for a long time, a veteran, you know, I think – one tight end that would really work in Buffalo right now is Charles Clay. You know, he was here for a long time, wasn't used properly. You know, he, he obviously left. And I think that's what you need a a veteran guy who knows the NFL, who can help these younger guys on the team. I don't care if he doesn't produce on the field, to be honest with you, I kind of want him to just help the new wave coming in. 
and I, and I've talked about this before too. I think a team that's kind of in that mid in that middle section of mediocre is the Giants. The Giants kind of they're not in any way uh, a contender, but they're not the worst team in the league either. And so I'm wondering if there's a if there's a price tag on Evan in, on Evan Ingram. I I would be willing to see what what a trade would look like for that, just to just to see if we could add some someone like him to the roster where you know they're they're very athletic, get open, and make big catches when it matters. And like you said, if that if we had someone like him or 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 a you know just a playmaker in that position, who knows how much Josh would actually start throwing to that throwing to that person, and that just makes anytime you elevate a roster slot where they're catching the football that just adds so much more to your offense. So I think the bills already have a great offense. Now you get somebody in that position that's going to be out there catching almost as much footballs as Diggs and the rest of the receivers Beasley. Now you can start becoming almost just like the Kansas city chiefs, you know, and who are you going to cover at that point? You know, uh, and so I think that's I think that's the missing piece the Bills need to address. And we've talked about this multiple times. The tight end is definitely uh, where they need to upgrade for sure. On your point with with Ingram, Mike, I don't know, man, because I. I follow the NFL as a whole. It's not just the Buffalo Bills. It's everywhere. And, you know, I've seen Giants fans not happy with his production. And we don't know what the Giants are up to at quarterback. You know, Daniel Jones hasn't really improved. And like you said, they're kind of mediocre. I would would put them more on the bad than good category. But you're right. They're not the worst team. But I think Ingram might be available in free agency in a few years, a couple years. So I, I don't think it's really worth kicking the tires on a trade. On top of that, he's not your prototypical tight end. He's kind of a big receiver, to be honest. And I think, I think Buffalo is looking for somebody who is really that prototypical tight end who can block for you, who can do everything a tight end should, not just go deep and, and catch a few balls. So the reason why I would even uh, – why I was even trying to come up with it for the Bills is the fact that – that's exactly what I'm trying to say is it adds another uh, dynamic to the offense. So if you have a tight end that can go deep like that, he doesn't have to play every snap. On run on running plays and stuff, you can definitely still be starting your other your other guys. Uh, you know the, the Bills have the Bills have Dawson Knox, who's a pretty good blocker, and they picked up that guy from Seattle. And so I don't think it's I I, I just all I'm trying to say is if you can add someone that can stretch the field in the tight end position, that just makes it that much dangerous, even on third down. Uh, third down, you got a guy that can stretch the field in the tight end position. That makes it so much harder for the defense because it's usually going to be a linebacker's assignment. And you got a guy that's just a big wide receiver. He's going to outrun that linebacker nine times out of ten, and you'll be able to hit him and on the third down situation. And, and look at the way Josh Allen handles third down. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league on third down. So you add somebody else that can catch the ball and stretch the field for him you're going to convert on a lot of those third and longs. So I think, and then he's and probably a great red zone target. Uh, the only thing I would argue with you about is Evan Ingram probably isn't producing for the Giants the way they want him to because they're not using him right. And they don't have a quarterback that's 
progressing. So the production is probably coming somewhere from inadequate production at the quarterback position, not necessarily, not necessarily his performance on his own. So I, I think you add somebody like Josh Allen to the mix where he can get you the football. I think Evan Ingram's production goes way up. So it, I think he could be a big asset to the Bills. But again, I, who knows if they're even willing to kick the tires on that. Like you said, he might be a free agent come, coming soon. But uh, I, I just think that it would be a nice upgrade. But I'm not against the Zach Ertz, or Zach Ertz trade either. The last point on that, Mike, is that guy from Seattle, Hollister, played with Allen a long time. So maybe they're thinking that chemistry can, can help out. And, you know, we, we don't know what goes on in OTAs and training camp. Like, we know the stories that come out, but we don't know the chemistry. We don't know how that kind of stuff works. We know what they tell us, basically. So, you know, I'm okay with it. If, if, they, if they trust it, I trust them. That, that's been my motto with the Bills ever since, you know, Brandon Bean came into town. Mike, the old yeah. age in the NFL is gone, dude. The 90s yeah. are over. Adam Vinatieri announced his retirement, and there are, no, there are now no NFL football players that were drafted in the 1900s. How does that make you feel? Uh, like, we're, like we're writing this podcast on the feather pen. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> I feel old. But uh, it's okay. I, you know, these, these, uh, these things are uh, bittersweet sometimes. It's kind of like, you know, you can look back at the 90s and you can name all these great players. One that comes to mind for me is Ray Lewis. Uh, I mean, I, that guy was just amazing to watch. Uh, there's there's so many that you can go all the way down the list if you really want to in the 90s. There's so many great players, and uh, it's just you know finally that that era is over, and you can tell the league's changing. Anyways, it's not the same uh, to what it used to be, especially on defense. So I mean, uh, it it's changing. I like where it's headed. It's just it's much more it's much more competitive in a way that it uh, they throw the ball so much more. It's exciting. I think it'll always rotate. It'll go from being uh, super pass heavy to back to old school football and running, running and smash mouth. But uh, the '90s were a great era, man. I, I, I think uh, any any time you want to like go down the rabbit hole of YouTube, you can watch some great players from the '90s. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I feel old, but I can accept it. And a happy retirement to Adam Vinatieri, 24 seasons in the NFL, probably the most clutch kicker of all time. For sure. Uh, he did some damage to the Buffalo Bills in his time. Yes, <laughs> Mike, running back. You know, running back's one of those positions that, you know, I feel like teams just think they can do anything you know you can draft one in the fifth round you can grab one in free agency They're, everybody's going to produce the same and that really hurts nowadays because the only old running back left is Frank Gore <laughs> that's on a team at least because Le'Veon Bell and of course Todd Gurley both available right now now Gurley just had a visit in Detroit in a physical nothing's come out on that but what do, what do you think of these running backs being available, Mike? I think Bell is is past his time. I, I don't think that adding Le, Le'Veon Bell uh, anywhere really is going to take your offense to the next level. I mean, he's uh, only he he's only twenty nine. 
but he might be able to he might be able to give you he might be able to give like some experience or add some experience to the to the roster and help coach up some of those younger guys you might have on your team. But uh, I think Todd Gurley honestly is the better option. Uh, the only thing about Todd is that he's obviously been in injury prone throughout his career. So, uh, but when he's on the field, he produces, especially if you can game plan uh, with him included. It, I, I mean, on the Rams, he was great when he was on the field uh, and they would use him all sorts of ways. They throw to him out of the backfield and, you know, design runs that he, he definitely was one of the top backs, at least for a couple seasons. And then, you know, then the injuries started kicking in. Uh, maybe on Bell, I mean, same thing. I just feel like once he took that, that season off, he was never the same back. And when he went to the Jets, they didn't use him like Pittsburgh did. Pittsburgh would use him mainly throwing to him out of the backfield. And he would, he would just carve defenses up that way. And he has a very different, another thing too, is you almost have to change your offense to how he runs. He has that, he has that almost patent approach of that. He waits very patiently for that hole and then hits it hard, which is great if you can block that way. But when you aren't, when your line isn't trained to do that, he's going to hesitate and then you got a guy in your face and then he doesn't gain any yards off that because he hesitated too much. And then he's getting tackled before he even is able to find a lane to run in. So I would go with Gurley only because <clears throat> he definitely can, he'll hit the hole that is assigned to and it's, and he, and he doesn't really hesitate like, like Le'Veon Bell does. So I just think Le'Veon Bell hasn't produced that much since he's been out of like once he took that season off and then went to the Jets and stuff and then he he went to the Chiefs right and yeah. he didn't really do a whole lot there either so that says a lot when a uh, high-powered offense like that isn't able to find a way to use you so uh, I would I would try to if if I was kicking the tires on either one of them Gurley would be the the route for me. I can I can agree with your with your stance on Bell there you know after he took that year off due to the holdout you know he came back with the Jets it did not work out at all. And then, you know, the Chiefs, you know, he, he's a free agent. But Gurley, I, I want to hit on Gurley a little bit, Mike, because he has been hurt and he has missed time. But he's only missed three games. The most games he's missed in a season was three games. I think he's kind of that old school guy who when he's hurt, he's not going to step off the field. And I think that might be hindering him, man. I mean, last year he played in 15 games – 600 yards, nine touchdowns. The touchdowns are, are not bad, but he only averaged three and a half yards a carry. So I think in the right offense, he can still help you. And maybe Bell can too, if you have that kind of offense, you have that kind of coach. You know what I mean? I, th I think they can both still help in the NFL. But, you know, they're available because running backs don't last that long. Other than Frank Gore, you know, these guys aren't lasting past these ages. Todd Gurley's only 26. 26 and he can't find a job are you kidding me they also come from an era too you got to think they also come from an era where there was offenses planning they were game planning their offense around the running back the running back was the key piece to their offense and now it's so far away from that the key piece of the offense is definitely your quarterback and a number one wide receiver you have to have that on your team they used to like the only team that still emulates something similar to what the league used to be is the Tennessee Titans, how they have their offense totally geared towards Derrick Henry. 
I would argue well, the Vikings really as well. Looking. I would argue the Vikings right. have that with Delvin Cook. Yeah, exactly. And so you only, but you only have, you can only name a few teams that do this to where they their offense is geared towards their running back because that's their star player. Understood. So, so you want to you want to play to your strengths, but the league has changed so much to where you want you want multiple, almost multiple number one wideouts on the field at at, at one time. You know, uh, it's great to have like the, how the Bills have Stephon Diggs, but you almost have to have the, the Bills have Beasley to go to too, and they have uh, Emmanuel Sanders now. Like that, you start like Emmanuel Sanders used to be one of the number one wideouts in Denver. So like you you got to think about how. Offenses are starting to try to build an offense where you have NFL, the NFL offenses are trying to get it to where you have almost two number one wideouts on the field at the same time. And it's because it's such a pass heavy league. Now you're not, you're not building your offense around the running back anymore. So yes. Do I think those two running backs could produce? They could, if you were building your offense around them and you were giving them the ball 30, 40 times, you know, or, or, or less, I'm just saying, giving them a heavy workload every game, then you're going to see production because they, the opportunities there. But I, I think now with the way they offenses are ran, they're not, they're not handing the ball off a whole bunch of times a game. So you're not going to see the same production from these backs. And so therefore they're, they become obsolete and they're not, you know, they're not needed. So that's why they're still free agents. I mean, I just think that there can't be, you know, 60 backs that are better than Todd Gurley. There can't be 60 There's backs. Like, that, that's what makes me question it, you know. But, Mike, one of the players in Buffalo was extended, and it's a guy who, who throws a football, but it's not the one that we think it is. It's Reed Ferguson, the long snapper, uh, extended until 2024, you know, the best thing you can say about Reed Ferguson, you you know, the average Bills fan probably doesn't know who he is. That's the best thing I can say about him because he doesn't make mistakes on the football field. I was going to say, he's uh, he's reliable. Uh, he does his job well. And I think that's why everyone knows who he is, honestly. If, you, if, you're, a, if you're a Bills fan, you know Reed Ferguson is the long snapper. And uh, he's been our long – he's been the Bills' long snapper for quite a bit now. And uh, it's good to see that he's extended. That means he does his job well. I I trust the office up in Buffalo, and so if they're extending him, obviously he's doing his job right. And uh, I think he's starting to secretly become a little bit of a fan favorite. Everyone loves Reed Ferguson. Well, he's now the highest-paid long snapper in the NFL. So congratulations to him. Uh, cool. But I wanted to see the other guy who throws the football extended. <laughs> they should have a throw-off. They should. <laughs> they should. I, I think we know what will happen there. All yeah, right. What if Reed can snap it longer than Josh can throw it? Not in this planet. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, Salary cap. Okay, Dan Graziano of ESPN came out and announced that they agreed to a salary cap for the 2022 season. This is the earliest I've ever seen an agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA. But, hey, it's here. It's news. Let's talk about it. So, for 2021, it was $182.5 million. It was the first time it went down in a very long time. A lot of teams had to make cuts, and they thought they would have this much money. But, actually, they had this much money, which led to a bunch of players changing teams. Well, it's going up again, Mike. $208.2 million. 
If anything, I think the players with young quarterbacks like the Bills, the Ravens, the Bengals, those teams are going to be happy because now they have more money on the books to pay their signal callers. What do you think of the cap going up, Mike? Yeah, I think it's great. I think people that need to get that need extensions and need to get paid, they're they're going to get their money, and it's going to allow teams like the Bills, the Ravens, and uh, even the Colts uh, that are still building a contender to be able to afford free agents as well. I think this year it wasn't some teams weren't as aggressive as they wanted to be in free agency because of their cap and had to make cuts they didn't want to make. So I think this upcoming season, having a little bit more money to work with, you're going to be able to extend players that you need. I think with the Bills specifically, uh, Josh definitely gets paid. And if Edmonds has a good year, they'll, they'll definitely try to figure something out with him as well. So I just think having this little bit of extra money is going to be great because of all those factors. You know, you can, like I said, extend players that – that deserve it and free agency can be a little bit more active and you can afford to spend a little uh, to just make your team that much better, especially when you're trying to build a contender like some of those teams I mentioned. Mike, would you rather extend Josh Allen right now or wait until he plays this season? I would say extend him now. And the reason I say that is because he might regress a little bit this year, but if it's not by much, then that's still very high production from your quarterback position. There's not many quarterbacks that are playing at his level right now. And especially, like I said, even if he digresses just a little bit or goes, goes down a little, he's still better than a lot of the quarterbacks that play in this league right now. So I think they continue to build around him right now. The Bills are doing a good job at, at giving him weapons to work with. And so this, he, I don't even think that he's really reached his ceiling. I think he still has more to learn, and, and he puts in the work to do that. I mean, he's at OTAs right now, and some players didn't even show up. So he's there working, and he doesn't. I don't think he really quits working on trying to be the best quarterback that the, for the Bills that he possibly can be. So I, I say extend him now. And then you don't have to worry about it next season, especially if he plays really well and wants more money. So you, you got you to try to take care of that now, and then therefore you're covered, and you don't have to fork out even more money because his agent's going to make an argument that you want this guy? This is what it costs now because look at him go. You know, especially what if, you know, the best-case scenario, he goes out and wins the Super Bowl for the Bills. You, now, you're, now you're really going to have to pay this man. So uh, – I say extend him now, uh, especially if you got the, the, the space to do it. Not only a Super Bowl, Mike, but we could be looking at MVP. If you win MVP, your contract's going to go from, you know, maybe 47 to like 77 or 67. Like, I don't know exactly where the numbers are going to be. But you mentioned something there that I want to dispute because I don't think you knew what you were saying. Oh, Josh might regress a little bit this year. He, he might take a step back. No, Mike, I don't want to hear it because Bleacher Report Gridiron came out with projected stats. Let me read them to you here. Josh Allen projected 5,045 yards, 43 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, 437 rushing yards, six touchdowns. 
Now, I think that's low on the rushing yards. I think that's low on the touchdowns. Josh loves to scramble. We all know that. I think that's going to be higher. But 5,000 yards, 43 touchdowns, I think I'm okay with that. Well, I can definitely take those numbers. I'm not saying that those are not doable. I'm, I'm just trying to be realistic. I, I mean, some players – Realistic nothing, Mike, okay? The Bills are finally good for maybe the first time in your life. I know it's the first time in mine. Let's just – let's not be realistic for a second. Let's just be happy that we have somebody like Josh Allen. Oh, I, I am. I'm, I'm more than happy to have him. I would say all I was trying to say that even if he does regress, it's still better than a lot of quarterbacks. In the After league. you say even if he does, my brain just – doesn't listen anymore, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of regression, uh, is that is all we have uh, for for today's show on the Built in Buffalo Network. This is Icy Mike's. I'm Mike Shimberski. You can find me at Twitter M I K O L two five three one at Mike Shimberski. Dan, hit him with your Twitter. At the real Dan Kelly on Twitter, guys, give me a follow. Yeah, I mean, we always want to talk shop, so anyone wants to, you go ahead and send us something if you want to talk about Bills or the entire league. Uh, that's all. Like I said, that's all we have for today. This is Icy Mike's. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>